0: announcement real quick, because there a Jesse Weiss in the building, Jesse Weiss. I guess it was brought to my attention, his snack pouch was left up at the front. You can come see me afterwards. (laughs) Well, good morning, church. It is uh, great to be up here with you again uh, for this time in in God's Word. Um, What a blessing. We are now in a season of Advent, and we have much to rejoice over. Uh, This afternoon, we are going to be in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Starting in verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me And does not receive my words as a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say, what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Let us pray. Lord, you have given us this hour. Lord, I pray that you be honored this morning, that you would empty me, and that you would go forward. For I do not know what I'm going to say apart from you. So, Lord, would you speak to us? We thankful that we have a God who has shown pity to us just as to the city of Nineveh. So Lord, show pity to us this morning. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the it was almost 30 years after the fact. You guys all know a man by the name of Martin Luther. Well, it was the year... 1546, and the Reformation was making its way across Europe, where the church was plagued with with darkness and deception, where it was very superstitious, and, and, and clergy told their people to avoid the Scripture, we'll explain it to you. Well, 30 years since Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the castle door, there was a man by the name of George Wishart. He may not be as familiar to you. He would later become the mentor of a man named John Knox. Well, the Reformation, or the gospel, had reached the land of Scotland And Wishart said, I must go and proclaim mightily this gospel, a people who are lost in darkness, and the leaders care not for their souls. So this itinerant preacher traveled coast to coast, mightily proclaiming the gospel of Christ. He even did this before his enemies. You see, when the gospel was rightly preached, The Church of Rome did not like this because it was a threat to their power. So they had set up assassins even to come and hear him at his messages. But afterwards, Wishart would would confront them and, and share the gospel with them. The amazing grace of God. But the Church of Rome loved their power and a man by the name of Cardinal Beaton would have no more of it. In March of 1546, he, he gathered the local bishops. They apprehended Wishart, and they brought him to the castle of St. Andrews. There they found this innocent man guilty and called him a heretic. His punishment you were to be hung and burned alive. So it was on that gloomy morning with a crowd of onlookers, Wishart was brought forth before them, being led to the fire with a a rope about his neck and a chain of iron about his middle. He uttered these last words to his people. I beseech you, Christian brethren and sisters, be not offended at the word of God for the affliction and torments which ye see prepared for me. But I exhort you, love the word of God and suffer patiently and with a comfortable heart for the word's sake, which is your undoubted salvation and everlasting comfort. And in his almost final words, he said this, this grim fire I fear not, and so I pray you to do. If any persecution come unto you for the word's sake, not to fear them that slay the body and afterward have no power to slay the soul. Yeah, he was burnt alive that day in in front of that. But those were his, his final words, not one of defeat. It was Wishart's final call to the people to put their trust in a great Savior. You know, that's where we find ourselves this morning as we enter this 12th chapter of John. I read to you verses 35 through 50, but I'd like to give you a more broader context of of where Jesus finds himself. You see, it is also his moment too, where he is about to be betrayed If you look up at verse 27 in chapter 12, Now this, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Right? Jesus is now standing before the crowd saying that it is his last hour. The time for his betrayal is near. The the time for his death is close. And and very similarly to the start of Jesus' ministry, maybe you remember when he went down into those waters where a man by the name of John the Baptist baptized him. This was the the start of Jesus' earthly ministry. Well, very similarly, how it was ending was how it began. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. This is God speaking to the people. The heavens open up. I have glorified it. God had glorified himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And he is nearing his end. So as the crowd gathered, hearing the expressions of one who was about to die... You know the crowd wants to know. They're still, and by and large, right? He's he's speaking to a Jewish audience. He's about to be cast out, lifted up from the earth. The crowd is still expressing this confusion about what he is saying. He said this in verse thirty-three. He said this to show about what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Who is this son of man? That is where we begin today. Who is this son of man? the words of Jesus in his last moments before the crowd. And and that's really what I want to answer before all of you today. Who is this Son of Man, and what is our response? And I want to look at four points that I believe that Christ is making in this last statement. Four points that you and I must adhere to. We'll look at the first one. Point one. To believe in Christ means we will not be overtaken by darkness. To believe in Christ means we will not be overtaken by darkness. If you look at verse 35, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Walk while you have the light. Walk while you have the light. You know, John, the author of this gospel, also penned that first letter in 1 John. And in 1 John 1-7, he elaborates a little bit more about walking in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Clearly stated, this is what it means to walk in the light. To believe on the son. To to trust him. But notice that, that Jesus doesn't keep this door open forever. He's given his audience a a time frame. A very small time frame. The light is among you for a little while longer. And Jesus often spoke in this way. That the time to believe is now. The light is amongst you only for a little while longer. He would say this. Previously in, in John seven thirty three, he's he's talking to the Pharisees. He's also telling them about his death. But he says to them, for a little while longer, I am with you. And this was not just exclusive to the crowds or the Pharisees. He also said this to his disciples, did he not? When he was in the upper room. Just, just look at our Lord, how he, he refers to those Closest to him, little children, I am with you a little while longer. The light will not remain forever. And the reason our Lord gives us warning that this light is only for a time, if you look at verse 35. Lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Right. The the light here is only for a season, uh, but darkness is is fast approaching. Uh, Darkness is is right there, right beside you. We almost hear these words of what Scripture says, that Satan is crouching at the door waiting to pound. Darkness is is right there. The light's shining. It's, It's present. Darkness is waiting to take over. And as our Lord said, when darkness has overtaken us, we are lost. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. I know a couple weeks ago, a pastor preached on... The parable of the ten virgins. And them going out to meet the bridegroom, right? Christ, the bridegroom. They have their lamps. But that Lord, right? Our Lord, He's coming on a day when nobody expects it. The bridegroom is only here for a season. The light is only here for a season. And when He comes and goes and and we have not walked in the light while he was here. There's no longer any oil left for our lamp. The light has been snuffed out. And then there is darkness. I think one of the greatest deceptions that there is, that, that people may face, is that the light will be here tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not going to believe in the light right now. Yeah. Give me a week or two. Yeah, give me another month. I still got to process this whole thing. I got to process Christianity. I got to think this over. We don't know that day, do we? We don't know. So our Lord says, verse 36, walk while you have the light. Believe in the light that you might become sons of light. And isn't this the wonderful truth? that he's given us, right? We're not going to be overtaken by darkness once we believe in the light. No, once we believe in the light, then the light overtakes us. And no longer can we be conquered by Satan and his ways in darkness. No, we are now children of light, sons and daughters of light. So when we believe in Christ, when we put our trust in him, Darkness will not overtake us. As we move along to the the next point here, notice what, you can almost envision it, right? Jesus, maybe atop a a hill or presenting before the crowd. He just said this statement, and this is what he does next. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. So my second point, to believe in Christ means that Jesus will not be hidden from us. Christ hides himself from the people directly after he had spoken these words. Crowd may not have even realized it then, but this would be the last time that he addresses the public gathering. He departed and hid himself. That's a fearful statement. When there is no Jesus to look upon, when there is no Jesus to call upon because he is gone, And and notice what it says about why he left. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. If we look at the book of John alone, starting from beginning to end, he gave them valid evidence, did he not? He raised the crippled. He gave sight to the blind, turned water into wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Even, even in John 6, when, when he feeds the, the 5,000 miraculously. You know, the crowd loved that. They, they even came to him afterwards, after he had left in a boat, and, and, and they said, He saw it. They wanted him because of the blessing. They wanted him because of the signs and the physical things that he could offer. In this case, ample food. And he told them that he was the bread of life, that he was pointing to something greater, that it wasn't actually physical bread that I wanted you guys to see, but that I am the bread of life. Sign after sign. You know, I, I think John summarizes it beautifully, all that our Lord had done before the people. If, if you look at the conclusion of John in the, last, the very last chapter, 21, John concludes with this, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus... Gave ample signs. He he did so much that all the books of the world could not contain it. But it says here, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe. It wasn't enough. After all the miracles, his perfect teaching, his enduring patience, They rejected the Messiah. And so he goes on in in verse 38 to to tell us why this is so. Why, why Why did this happen? Verse 38, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This comes directly from Isaiah six ten, or oh, I'm sorry, Isaiah fifty three one. It had been foretold about this. That the arm of the Lord would be revealed. Right? We think of Christmas, J- Jesus coming. It happened. They they waited for it. But what had happened? It was not enough. They did not believe. If you go on to verse 39, therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Israel had rejected Christ. So he hid himself from them. The day of salvation had left them. And this was pretty consistent with with Israel's pattern, with Israel's ways. I, I bring up an Old Testament verse, 2 Chronicles 36. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, Despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. There's a couple of statements that we have to understand from this is that we hear from Isaiah right, hundreds of years before the arrival of Christ. This was brought about for reason number one. Every word of God proves true, does it not? Every word of God proves true. It's it's all going to happen according to his exact plan. Matthew 5, 18, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Every word of God proves true. But also it was foretold of a people that they wouldn't believe. We might ask ourselves, is God unjust in this? This seems unfair. How can this be predetermined? Has the potter no right over the clay? Romans 9.21 He was hidden from them. And it was foretold. Now, before we process this, because this this could be difficult maybe to process for some, that many years ago it was said that Israel would reject the Messiah, that he would be hidden from them. But in making my third point, I want to specifically state this. And John, in this gospel, gives a wonderful picture of the sovereignty, the perfect will of God over humankind, but he divinely joins it with human responsibility. How does he do this? Well, we have to continue reading ahead. And this is to my third point. To believe in Christ means we will not seek the favor of men over the favor of God. Let's take a look. Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. (laughs) They believed in him. They did believe. But they rejected it. They didn't want to believe it on his terms. So did God predestine Israel to reject him? Yes. Did the people have sufficient understanding through the the miracles and and the teachings but refuse to believe rightly? Yes. But they understood. (laughs) It says they believed. What was the hindrance? But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. They had correct understanding. You know, when uh, the, the men went out this past Thursday, uh, we, we went, went out downtown witnessing. You know, it, it's apparent, even in these times through, through Columbia neighborhood, it, it is not as if man expresses lack of knowledge. It seems like that everybody, or at least a majority of people, have, if they are willing to talk to us, have some knowledge of God. They have some sort of understanding about him. But but even to those, and I I know this, even to the, the many that just pass by or walk by or ignore us, we know that they know of God. Romans 1.19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God is showing it to them. All right, whether it be upon the, the conscience, the law that is on their heart, or looking at creation, or some sort of belief or understanding of Scripture, there is belief. But they reject it. They reject it. It reminds us of John 6:44. "No one can come to me unless the Spirit, unless the Father draws him and I will give him, I will raise him up on the last day." This so perfectly goes together, and I can't even explain it adequately, but how God's sovereignty and, and human responsibility... The authorities didn't want to confess Christ because they didn't want to lose their prestige. They didn't want to get canceled or rejected. Notice they they loved their seats in the synagogue. They, They loved the esteem that came from the Pharisees. It was too much to lose. The favor of men over the favor of God. Verse 43 sums it up. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You know, I I don't believe that there is such thing as a closet Christian. The ones who want to kind of be the Christian in private. Who want to keep things concealed feel like we hear this in, in the political uh, circles when uh, maybe a, a politician will say, well, yeah, yeah, I believe abortion's wrong. But man, I'm not gonna actually speak about that. I'm a representative of the people. I can hold that view in private. You know, maybe, maybe this is something that, that others even struggle in, in the common workplace or in, in, in just going about Yeah, I think, you know, marriage should be only between a man and a woman, but, man, I'm not going to say that out loud. People say, well, that is hate speech. I'll just kind of keep that to myself. You know, maybe it is. I I believe Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to salvation. I, I believe that in my heart. But, man, nobody speaks about moral absolutes these days, man. Nobody speaks about moral absolutes. You know, I, I can't just say one way. That just seems too narrow. Got to be relevant. And You know the sad thing. You know the sad thing, and, and what troubles me at times is that the many little men that climb up into pulpits around the church Love the favor of men. Love the favor of men more than the favor of God. God help them. God help them. But we as elders and leaders here never be found guilty of that. Church, it is a high calling. It is a high calling. Calling to believe in Christ means we will not seek the favor of men over the favor of God. Luke 9, 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Let us not be ashamed of him. His word is power. It is this, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fourth point. Fourth point. To believe in Christ means we will not be condemned. To believe in Christ means we will not be condemned. You know, you might see the, the words of Jesus here as, and these last verses, beginning in 44, in red. And you might say, well, I thought that Jesus had left, that he had already hid himself from the crowd. Well, it is not our understanding that this was said amongst that same crowd. We can look at this as Jesus' final call. In summary of who he is. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. It might sound a little confusing there, where he says that uh, whoever believes in me believes not in me, and then where he says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He is showing his perfect authority of who he is. The Father and the Son are one. And this goes back to the very question that he began with or that the crowd was asking, who is this Son of Man? Was that not the case that he is making? That him and the Father are one? And notice that because of this, because him and the father are one. He says this, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This now, this right now, right? 2022, this is the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus is still standing today as savior. Now, we might see that and say, the Lord did not come to judge, not at first. No, not at his first advent. He, he came to save. We know that there is a day of judgment, 2 Peter, so that there is a day the earth is reserved for fire and destruction of ungodly men. That is not right now. I have not looked outside this morning and seen the hell and brimstone being rained down upon Bellingham. We are not in that season. Jesus came to save. And and by saving us, he has saved us from condemnation. But notice he he gives this final warning of, of why we must believe now. Because if we move, if we fast forward to verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge the word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. Right? Every, every word that you're hearing from an echo, from your scripture reading, from your devotions, from your podcast, if they come rightly from the word of God, those are the words that will judge us on that last day. And if we have belief in that, if we have turned to the light, as Jesus himself said, turn to me and you will not be in darkness, praise God, praise God. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. But to those who put off and postpone, we stand before a judge on that last day to be answerable for all that we heard. Let let not the the words of, of Christ, maybe even for those who have been in attendance of church 20, 30, 40 years, regular attenders, Let these not fall absent on us today. You know, in the conclusion of chapter 12, Jesus no longer made an appeal to the people anymore. The remainder of the book, he actually spends with his disciples, with those who are closest to him. And you're like, wow, there's, there's like seven, eight, nine chapters left. He spends the remaining time with those closest to him because the crowds had rejected. This was Jesus' final call to Israel. And the next time that they would see him was when they were yelling out, crucify him. Until... He was put upon that tree and cried out, it was finished. It was finished. What is our response today? I guess if if I was in attendance in a seminary class and they were telling me to, to look over chapter 12 in this section, I would see a common word that pops out. I've uttered it. A couple times. And it's belief. Believe. I counted eight times. But you know what? In that belief, and I think I've hoped Lord willing flesh this out within this time together, that there is a right kind of belief and a wrong type of belief. Right? The wrong kind. Would believe that just as the authorities, just as the Pharisees, that they have the knowledge. They say they believe, they're just afraid to confess it. Fear of men, the love of power. They know, they, they believe. It's just not enough. It's the belief. Of unbelief, and this is not the spring of water welling up into eternal life, as John would say in chapter 4. That would be the wrong belief. But, oh, church, oh, church, today is the Lord's day. We are called to have the saving faith. While you have the light, believe in the light. And in verse 46, the Lord says, so that whoever believes may not remain in darkness. This is the right kind of belief. That is not upon ourself. That it is fully trusting in Jesus. And guess what? He will raise us up on the last day. He will raise us up on the last day. His final words to the crowd, believe, 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 believe in me. He's coming back, church. He's coming back. For wonderful reasons to believe. For wonderful reasons to believe. On that glorious day, on that glorious day when we stand before our King, we'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you are having trouble with that, if you are having trouble with that believe. cry out like the man, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We have a great God. He'll answer our call, will he not? Go to him rightfully. He is patient and kind, just like Nineveh. He shows pity on us. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this morning, Father God. We have much to rejoice in. For your saints who have put faith and believe in your name, oh Lord, no evil can come against us. We have the hope of all hopes, praise God. Lord, if there be any among here this morning that don't know you, would today be that wonderful day. where they call upon the name of the Lord to receive, oh so precious, a salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.